Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of Lessons Learned. I was going to say it's like two decades, but that's not right because that's years. So, and I couldn't think of like another word for decade for like 20. Dodeca. Like a dodecahedron's 20-sided. Welcome to the dodecahedron episode of Lessons Learned. I'm Dylan. And I'm Evan. Uh, <clears throat> and today, we don't really have an argument from Jordan Peterson. I don't think, I mean... Anyways, um, today, Jordan Peterson will begin to show us what acting like a hero looks like and how our culture, or all cultures, uh, relies on myths and the heroes in those myths as examples for how to act. Uh, specifically, he'll dive into how the Bible provides multiple examples of heroism for the West. Sounds cool. Yep. I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> So, I didn't think of something interesting to say to tie into what Evan said, and we didn't get any comments about uh, the last question we asked. So, here's something interesting. We have a new member on our show. Um, this is Johnny, Johnny the Walrus. Uh, his pronouns are he, him, and walrus. Um, this is obviously from Matthew Walsh's great book, Johnny the Walrus, but he... Uh, he provides a level of commentary that I don't think neither one of us could ever achieve. That's true. And that, and that's my reference of pop culture of the day. Look at that. That's nice. <laughs> so, that's good stuff. You go ahead. <clears throat> okay. Um, we have a little bit of an introduction. Mm -hmm. It's not very much because he, he talks about a decent bit in the intro and then he doesn't really use it yet. Okay. what we'll be going over today so i just skipped it yeah um <clears throat> so we're gonna start off old school with a quote um failure well let's actually talk about what we talked about last week we're not going a little school. bit well just to refresh real fast okay. yeah uh we talked about how you always have to face the unknown yep no matter what and, and tell the truth <clears throat> yeah and the two ways to avoid the unknown were the adversary or well, the adversary is like the big version. And then there's the, um, the decadent who thinks that like everything's meaningless basically. Yep. And then the fascist yeah, who identifies with, uh, order all the way. So if you didn't see that, there's, um, a link down below to go to our YouTube <clears throat> channel. It's actually the YouTube channel. It's yeah. below this video. Yeah. And if you're listening go to YouTube. disregard any of that oh yeah go if you're listening go to youtube yeah um so that's what we were talking about the past couple weeks and now we're going to talk about the good way to approach the unknown which is okay. the hero so this is like the america to the ussr if we're going <laughs> for war heroes <laughs> sure yeah yeah okay that works um <clears throat> i had to make it continuous from last week's episode right oh because we did talk about the soviets the, yeah that was the thumbnail yeah it was i don't make those so <laughs> anyways uh first quote failure to transcend group identification is in the final analysis as pathological as failure to leave childhood so <clears throat> he's just saying it's really bad to not be able to move past your group identity okay 
the same way that it's really bad to not move out of childhood. Oh, okay. So is this is this kind of like reminiscent of like I I know this is going to be similar reference to like childhood, but like high school group of friends and you move on to college, but you mm-hmm. never really want to move on from that idea yeah. in that group. Yeah. Oh, so like the stuck in the past kind of thing. Yeah. Like heavy nostalgia. Yeah. We're seeing that a lot these days. We are. Yeah. That's like a trend. Yes. That's so uncanny. <clears throat> and so, yeah, that's kind of the point of, I think what he's doing with this chapter with the hero is how to move out of that group identification okay. and stuff like that. So is, is that group identification just for being stuck in the past or is that group identification for any group? Like the ability to move out of any group. You're it in? would be any group. Okay. Like even if you, I mean, it's just pretty much not being willing to face the unknown and mm. just like sticking with the rules the that your group tells you. Of yeah. The known in, in your group. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So the group can, it can be a nostalgic thing, but mm-hmm. They can also be just like your friend group or something. Sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he also says in the intro that the myth of the hero is like easy to say, mm-hmm. but it's hard to understand the kind of depth of what it means. Mm. So I think that's going to be kind of the goal of what his chapter, this chapter is about. I feel like that's, and I'm sure I, I know you'd mentioned the Bible, but I feel like that's an easy topic to dive into for Jesus. Yep. Really easy to say, oh, he died for our sins. Yeah. But that's what we'll focus on. Okay, good. Awesome. This is going to be a good one then. Yeah. We'll focus on, on Jesus, on Moses, mm-hmm. like the Exodus story, mm-hmm. um, 10 commandments. Oh, so we're going into it. Mm-hmm. So Check. let's define a hero. Okay. Um, so as I said, just to say it again, well, um, the, the hero is like the third mode of adaptation other than the decadent and the fascist, mm-hmm. um, being the hero is rare because it's voluntary and like sacrificial, mm-hmm. like you're putting yourself in danger. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we can see in today's world. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You only have to say yes or no for this. Do you think no. that animals can be? Yeah, well, let's not, let's not go down that way. Let oh. me just let me ask the question <laughs> that I was planning on asking. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what is it that makes us different from animals? Um, you know, to uh, to quote a friend from uh, our men's breakfast this morning, um, an observation he made was that we uh really like good food yeah i do and animals lick their butts okay so there must be something about us good food that animals just don't understand okay which is a crude summarization of his point my point is is i think the ability to create beyond our means can you explain that a little bit more oh Sure. Go for it. <laughs> and, and maybe I, I said that incorrectly. I was trying a new word that's not new to me, but... No, I think it made sense, but... Okay, so then my, my point is that we need shelter, but this house isn't just shelter. It's it's like a home, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas animals will just take shelter. 
Uh-huh. And an animal needs to eat. Well, a lion just eats meat, right? But we don't just eat meat. We we season it like, you know, smoked brisket. That is far beyond what we need. Mm-hmm. But it's something enjoyable. It's this level of creation. And I mean, I firmly believe as God the creator created us in his image, we are innately um, desiring the outlet of creativity. Mm. And we can see that through like art and, you know, and don't even try to define art, music, yeah. visual arts, etc. But I think creating without um, that being a necessity. Because I, I, we've seen like orangutans create quote unquote tools, yeah, you know, sharpen sticks and stuff. But I mean, creation beyond what is necessary, I think, is really a huge defining feature. Yeah, not the and only one, but you're you're not far off from where he's gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that the spirit of man, so the thing that makes us men, um, or people, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, is our ability to voluntarily face the unknown, mm-hmm. and update the way that we see the world mm. okay like because of that so sure. that we can adapt and stuff um he points out that greeks saw reason as the thing that defines man from animal okay being able to reason which i think is along the same lines of what you were saying with creating sure um being able to abstract mm-hmm. as well i feel like a lot of those things are very um heady yeah well here's the fun thing okay is he talks about the Judeo-Christian, like, spirit of man, what makes us different from animals. Okay, sure. Um, The Judeo-Christian version is more so the capacity to create and transform as made in the image of God. There it is. Mm. So. Sweet relief. Good job. I, I felt like those first couple, I don't, they're not wrong. I just felt like they were rather heady. Mm-hmm. like i what's the difference between man and animal well i can do long division yeah sure i think they meant more than long division but yeah I no but saying. yeah exactly it's just like like higher mental capacity yeah pick pick any higher mental capacity i can drive a car yeah i i can i can I can take a one car engine and apply what i learned from that one to another one to f- learn how to fix problems yeah, an animal couldn't do that, but like, I feel like there's such a general point. Mm-hmm. Who created the car? Yeah. We did. The creation of the car had to exist before the problem of the car. Yeah. And um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, oh okay. Classic. I, um, like, I, I would almost venture to say that reason had to be created before the questioning of reason. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, in his Genesis lecture, Jordan Peterson talks about man being different because we can create. Yeah. And part of that is actually our opposable thumbs. Is like we were designed to create. I think it took a little more than an opposable thumb, but yeah. Sure. But he means like mentally we are kitted out to create. Physically we are. Almost like there was a creator. And we're in his image. Yep. In his specific image. So. How strange. We can talk about life as a game. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We learn how to act out the rules, according to him. So this is kind of the progression. We act out the rules. 
then we learn what those rules are. We can like make them explicit. And this would be like playing a game as a kid. Sure. And like you're playing to rules um, or you're playing it a certain way. And then uh -huh. you end up making rules for the game. Okay. And then once you make the rules, you can modify the rules to make the game better. Okay. So this is discussing the quite literally the creation of a game. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I thought this was talking about like a pre-existing game and I was like, that's oh, no. not. No. Okay. Um, and life's the same way. Uh, he says the game itself at its first stages is played at the procedural level. Uh, the rules remain implicit. Once a representation of the game has been established, then the game can be shared and later the rules themselves can be altered. So that's kind mm -hmm. of our, part of our ability to abstract and create. Yeah. So exactly. we can modify the world. So right. these are the things that the hero can do. Okay. And he doesn't say this implicitly, but knowing where it goes, kind of his point here is mm -hmm. the hero can um, face the unknown, create new rules to make life better. Yeah. So there you go. Um, now we can talk about like defining what good means. Oh, um, okay. And he focuses from here on out for most, well, a decent bit of the rest of the episode on uh, Christianity and the Bible. Mm hmm he says that Western religion helps us to understand what is good. Um, that's kind of the the tradition that we come from in the West. Sure. Is Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where our idea of good comes from. So we're going to talk about Moses now and the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. um, he says a list straightforwardly and simply defines what constitutes acceptable behavior and what does not. Yeah, okay. Um, he says this is the most basic form of explicit moral philosophy. Mm. Is just a list of do's and don'ts. Okay. That's like the most simple form you can get. Yeah. Doesn't have the why. Right. It's not really adaptable. It's kind of just like do this, don't do that. Okay. Um, that's going to matter in a minute. Oh, boy. So let's talk about Moses and Exodus. <clears throat> so... For those who don't know the Exodus story, um, pretty much Moses is a guy that ends up freeing the Israelites from um, like pretty much know. slavery yeah. in Egypt. Um, and he works with God or more, maybe more so for God um, to get God them works through. Him. Yeah. And they uh, Moses gets them out of Egypt um, and then they're in the desert for a really long time. And in this time period, uh, Moses ends up getting the Ten Commandments from God. Um, so that's a major event that we'll talk about. And then another important thing is while they were in the desert for a long time, uh, Moses was working as like a judge for people's problems. Like if people had disagreements, they would go to him mm -hmm. and be like, yo, we're upset about this, figure it out for us. And so he would act like as a judge and decide what was, what way, who should be ruled in favor of. Um, so, that's for everyone to have some backstory. Good old backstory. Um, he says that since he acted as judge for so long, he had to determine what was right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So this is that procedural going through the game. Mm -hmm. um, through this process, he gained moral knowledge. Okay. Um, and so he he became revolutionary because he, he taught a new mode of being. Mm -hmm. And he says, and this is, incorrect because peterson thinks that 
God giving Moses the uh, the Ten Commandments is more of a metaphor, where oh. where Moses is like able to abstract this new set of rules that he figures out is right and wrong. But doesn't God quite literally carve the Ten Commandments In stone? into stone? Well, and like you know how his face glows. Moses's after kind of seeing God and he comes back down yeah. from the mountain okay, and stuff yep. and he has to wear a veil. Um, he, Peterson said something about how that idea was. Um, he was, he had so many like possibilities because he had reached kind of a new cognitive understanding of morality that like, it was actually like coming off of him. But anyways, I'm just going to go to the quote. Um, that's, a that's something special. It's an interesting interpretation. That's an, um, well, it's we, an, it's an abstract interpretation. Can we get a version of the Bible? That's like JPV Jordan Peterson version. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Jordan Peterson, but not current Jordan Peterson. Like this Jordan Peterson. 1998, 1999 yeah. Jordan Peterson, where he's like, well, if this is what it says, <laughs> Then it must mean this. Yeah. That'd be fun. Right? Um, I'd read it. I wouldn't agree, but I would definitely read it. So the way he phrases it is he says, Moses transforms what had previously been custom, mm-hmm. uh, embedded in behavior, representative myth into an explicit semantic code. So pretty much he's saying like the behaviors of the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. were not conscious rules before Moses figured them out. Well, hmm. I don't know how I feel about that because isn't there a level? I just grabbed that mug really weird. Oh, it's okay. The La La Palooza. Yeah. Um, isn't there like a what's uh? Because we all have a conscience. Yes. You know, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is within us, brothers. Okay. So there's kind of this innate understanding of good and bad, right? Wouldn't you say? It's debatable. Sure. It's, I agree that it is, but people it, do debate people, it. Yeah, sure, people debate. Dude, you're but they're spoiling not... for later in the episode, by the way, because that comes up. You but know continue. what? Continue. I've just been reading so much Sherlock Holmes at this point, I can deduce yeah, anything. right. <laughs> so... Oh, well, okay. Now it's hard to continue. You've interrupted my train of thought. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here to lose my own train of thought and then bring you down with me. So, I did it again. My my problem is that I I I, I think the you. difference I did it this way. You're not. I think the difference between having the 10 commandments carved in stone and mm-hmm. not having them carved in stone is that the law of God is both metaphorically and physically carved in stone. Mm -hmm. But that didn't dismiss this innate kind of understanding of good and bad. I mean, like this idea of guilt that I feel like often society is like, Oh, guilt. That's not, you don't need to feel that. Mm -hmm. Yes, you should. (laughs) That, that that is your conscious as a Holy spirit, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Saying, Hey friend, don't do that. That's well, bad. And you'll get to hear this tomorrow when you listen to the sermon. But one of the one of the verses in Ecclesiastes talks about how 
the wise man like has people around him that will rebuke him mm-hmm. because if you just have a bunch of people that'll applaud whatever you're doing, right? You're gonna do bad stuff, yeah, and people aren't gonna stop you. And Ooh. what Pastor said was like, you if you have real friends, they will be willing to rebuke you and yeah. tell you that what you're doing is dumb. Well, that's why and, we tell each other we're dumb all the time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and like not, well, quote unquote friends mm-hmm. that aren't real friends. They're just going to ignore it as much as you're wanting to ignore it. Well, yeah. Well, and, <clears throat> and that's, that's the big, that's the big fall. That's the I big downfall. Um, at least in my eyes, what I'm, what I'm seeing in secular culture and, and like when I was at college, like mm-hmm. I, I was a film major. That who do you think I was surrounded by? Yeah. So I I definitely saw this idea of, you know, well, one you you don't need to feel guilty, you know, frivolous sex is great. That's good for you. That guilt, mm-hmm. shame, no, that's not bad. This is what Dylan believes. Just so we're clear. What does that mean? Do you disagree with me? No, I was just saying that, that <laughs> what you were saying wasn't what they were saying. No. That's yeah, what you were okay. saying. <laughs> I didn't understand what you were clarifying. Yeah, no. <clears throat> so. These are Dylan's expressed beliefs. These are Dylan's expressed beliefs. Um, My point is, is that they really, really validated anything that fit mm-hmm. their narrative mm-hmm. um, and uh, to really boil the narrative down. It is immediate satisfaction yeah. that ultimately ends up being short term, requiring more immediate satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And that is creates, you know, a falling cycle of like basically addiction with anything that gives yeah. you this short term satisfaction. Like so the dopamine li- hit. Yeah. So living in that bubble was just not good. And I I mean I watched people like constantly fall into confusion because Mm -hmm. things would get worse but their friends would tell them it was okay and i was the one person sitting in the room quietly going that's not okay and the off times they would sit down and talk with me and they'd be like what do you think and i'm like don't do that yeah that was a bad idea don't do that and they're like yeah i think you're right but before they could live it their friends assured them that that bubble was safe Mm -hmm. But we can see that in great leaders. George yeah. Washington had Hamilton and Jefferson. And you know as well as I do that discourse was intense. But Jefferson, or sorry, uh, Washington wanted both Jefferson and Hamilton in his cabinet. Mm-hmm. Directly next to him as opposing voices so he could understand opposing views of the country to be a better leader. Right. I mean, to be better people, we need... Um, soundboards you know we need something like mm-hmm. devil's advocate yeah but to well, go as far as being a leader i'd say you have to have it not only for yourself is it important to have people that will rebuke you mm-hmm. but if you want to help your friends you should totally not just be okay with whatever they're doing yeah like encourage them support them mm-hmm. when they need that but if you think they're doing something wrong don't be afraid of a hard conversation because that could save them a lot of pain in the future oh yeah big time i mean there's there's been plenty of times in my life where i wish somebody would smack me in the face but 
the people that were encouraging me were the people that would have encouraged me and disagree with me today. Right. You know, but yeah, the hard conversations always hard, but Mm -hmm. I think it also helps to find a friendship. Do you want to be friends with somebody when you bring reality to their doorstep, deny you? Yeah. And so I, that's definitely one of the components of being a hero. Mm -hmm. According to Peterson. Yeah. So we agree. Yes. This is amazing. We're getting along so well. Indeed. So next, well, I don't know how far we're going to get, by the way. Okay. Just heads up. Um, Let's talk about some myths and culture together at the same time. Um, So he says that the myths of a culture are its central stories. Okay. So it's the stories that it tells itself. Um, And we've been over this in past episodes, so I I won't. I felt so. Yeah. Um, he says that mythical narratives demonstrate what should be mm-hmm. like the ought for the is ought problem. Right. Um, and so the narratives are usually oriented towards patterns of adaptation. Mm-hmm. So like how to, you can learn from the narrative, how to act um, in certain ways that should work. Hopefully. Sure. Um, and I was going through, these are kind of the points of the myths mm-hmm. in a culture. Um, and and he, he's still applying myth to all myths. Stories. And counting you, Christianity into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, when you say stories, do you include something like Little Red Riding Hood? Um, or is that? Probably not in this. That's probably too small. That's too like folklore fable-esque. Well, I feel like fables can work, but I think we're talking about like central, the main things we tell ourselves. Mm, the, okay. ma- the main things that we pass on. Well, I'd say Little Red Riding Hood's a huge generational story. That's why I brought it up. Although I don't think it has like a, an abstractable moral, at least in the sense Peterson's talking about. Yeah, and I think he's talking about the ones that we can like emulate and mm-hmm. stuff. So I don't know if that one counts there. Well, I mean, I could eat my grandma and be a wolf and you could be a small what? girl. With no, the grandma's the wolf one. Yeah. You're the wolf? Yeah. That's the wolf doesn't eat the grandma. I thought... The wolf doesn't eat their own grandma. No. You just said you could eat no, your grandma. No, I could eat my grandma, but I myself would turn into a wolf. So therefore making her not my grandma. And you could turn into a little girl with a red cloak. Which technically, you can. Wouldn't you be eating my grandma? Yeah. But I'm not going to eat your grandma because she's awesome. Why would you eat your own grandma? <laughs> and then your grandma's now what my about, grandma? What would Peterson say? About what? About the abstraction of this general theme. That it's bad. I can only assume. <laughs> that it's bad. So I don't know. I don't know if writing it is. Um, sure. And then kind of the last thing that cultural myths do is they surround the individual. They offer protection from the world. Um, from being overwhelmed by material and spiritual onslaught. Mm. So it's kind of that thing about how there's so much that we can see in the world and experience and do Mm -hmm. like there's infinite possibilities pretty much. Mm -hmm. And the cultural myths can shrink that down into a set amount of things that you can actually act on. Mm -hmm. That's not so just overwhelming. Sure. Um, So that's kind of the, the uh, characteristics of cultural myths. Let's talk about the hero. In these myths. In myths, yep. Little Red Riding Hood. 
she probably isn't a hero. The wolf might be. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. The highest levels of myths allow us to find meaning within the tragedy of our lives. Does that make sense? Am I, was that? Nope, say it again. Okay. The highest levels of a myth, mm-hmm. like Christianity, mm-hmm. as he uses it. Okay. The highest levels allow us to find meaning within the tragedy of our lives. So we can find meaning even though life sucks because of myths. I feel like that's a rather interesting way to put it. I think you'll see what he means as we okay. continue. Yeah, go for it. Um, For Western tradition, he says, and it's funny, he kind of says in there, whether you like it or not, for Western tradition, this highest level of myth is Christ. Hmm. So... Um, G gang, I don't know if we need another Scooby snack to figure this oh one out. Oh man, the okay. mystery might be solved. <laughs> gang, I like that. You you've never seen Scooby Doo, have you? Yes, I've seen Scooby Doo. I love Scooby Doo. Uh huh. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I saw it on Cartoon Network and stuff. Uh-huh. Boomerang. It was on Boomerang. I watched it on there. You asked it like it was a question. Because I couldn't remember. Anyways. I didn't do boomerang that often. Okay. Heroic behavior compels imitation. Um, a hero, by definition, serves as a model for emulation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I agree. But I think it's just kind of a platitude, maybe. Okay. Like, it's just kind of obvious. So, wait. Say it again. Heroic behavior compels imitation. Yeah. Doing something heroic. Okay, I get people... what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think my issue is I don't think it's the... I don't see the point in the distinction mm-hmm. because it's not the only kind of behavior that compels imitation. No. Because if you see someone doing something bad... But find success in it. Then you might be compelled to do that. Correct. So I, I kind of... I see what he's saying, but I don't know if it's useful to yeah. point out. Well... Except, I mean, I, it helps him make his point. Sure, but, but. It, yeah, I mean, no, I totally agree. I think there's a certain extent in which Peterson likes to define things or kind of come to a conclusion, mm-hmm. but it seems almost unnecessary or came to the conclusion with, like, such a deep dive into yeah. the content that it was like, well, yeah, you if, if you want to take the meaning from it. Well, and I think it might just be a useful... I think it can be obvious, but it's a useful stepping stone to think about to to frame your mind around is that Mm. the heroic behavior is something that we want to imitate. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. But I think he's trying to get you to keep it in mind as we talk about this. I think you made a good point that like heroic behavior isn't the only one that people even not just will, but desire to imitate. Mm -hmm. Some people just desire to imitate whatever brings success right um and we see that unfortunately all too often but i going back to the previous thing that he pointed out Mm -hmm. um which is that like at the end of the day christ the story of christ the sacrifice of christ and everything that is one might say the religion of christianity yeah is of the utmost importance in sets the highest groundwork for morals not only in our country but psychologically well, speaking it's tracks. really it's interesting because we i'm taking an early medieval christianity class right now for people to know for for people that don't know i i didn't know that yeah you did 
No. Yep, because mm, I talked about that essay I had to write. I, no, that doesn't essay. Right. Right. Is that like... I only spent all week talking about it. Um, <laughs> only came into my room five times. Yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, I... He was talking about how Christianity spread in ancient Rome. Okay. And how even when... There was kind of a mystery cult vibe for some people because like with the the Eucharist, which is the Jesus's blood and bread or like the bread turning into his body and the, the blood, wine turning into his so blood. So the Eucharist are people that believe that? The Eucharist is like the, that ceremony kind of, oh. or kind of, yeah, I think it's the ceremony. Um, mm. It's not a word that we use. It's, I think it's mostly a Catholic word, mm-hmm. but that ceremony um, okay. because of things like that. And like, they would say, yeah, I'm having, um, like his blood and body and they're like, you guys cannibals <laughs> or something. Um, Christianity equals cannibalism. Right. And then they're talking about like incest stuff. Cause if they call every, they're like all brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Everyone is. Well, so then it's like, they get confused about it. So like, there's uh, these misconceptions from the outside. So even though people were like skeptical about it and stuff, mm-hmm. Um, Christians, um, Christianity spread because according to my professor, they, it was spreading among Romans pretty quickly because they kind of were winning the moral game. Mm. Like they had these morals, like you shouldn't be having sex all the time, probably. <laughs> and be- someone was like, what an interesting concept. Please tell me more. Yeah. They were kind of like, I, I think you're kind of right about that. Yeah. Um, and there's huh. just some of the different morals. So it's really interesting that just the morals people kind of, it resonated with them and it was able to grow that way. Well, I think it's because like, okay, if we have a creator, let's like, let's live in this world for a second. Yeah. Imagine we have a creator okay. and he has a set line of rules, right? He knows what is good because as a creator of a being like us, he would have to be incredibly intelligent incredibly powerful correct Mm -hmm. would he or would he not instill those ideas within us within the beings he creates so with that ruining my question with that being said said, disregarding this idea of bringing the morals to the table you already have that innate understanding as i brought up before now Mm. somebody comes to the table saying hey your creator wants you to follow these rules. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it resonates with you. Right. What a concept. Perhaps, maybe, it's true. Indeed. And what was your question? Go ahead. It was going to be later. I'm going to wait. You have to wait for it. Maybe you'll forget. <laughs> um, <laughs> you'll ask me the question. I'll be like, uh, I don't know. So my phone a friend? No. No. Okay. Unless it's yourself. Um I'll phone Johnny. We uh oh man, I don't know what to talk about next. I kind of have a plan. He he actually has notes in front like I have the notes he made in front of me. And I He has a very abridged version. I don't know where he is anymore. Yeah. Um so we he makes the claim that we progress from conceptualizing the hero 
as a character mm-hmm. to so like Jesus. Yeah. We we go from thinking about Jesus as this character that is heroic okay, to sure. to conceptualizing what it means to be a hero. Okay. So first we can see this hero in the narrative mm-hmm. and we can be like, yeah, that's the hero. And then we can kind of, and it's this abstracting from stories as we've talked about mm-hmm. before, but we can look at the hero and we can say, okay, what is making him a hero? Like, what is it that for the sake of what he's talking about, what is making Jesus a hero? Are you asking or is this rhetorical? It's rhetorical. I'm saying that's the process that we do. Right. Well, I think it's funny because Christ literally calls us to strive to be like him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure that's... So, I mean, it proves Jordan Peterson's point, but it proves it in such a um, meta way uh-huh. that it, like... Dude, I, Jesus is meta. I feel like it undermines Jordan Peterson's point of, like, looking anywhere else other than Christianity. Does that make sense? But he agrees that you should look yeah. to Christianity. No, but I mean, he's looked at other places before. Yeah. And now, now as a Christian, yeah. it doesn't make sense to make that statement. But again, this is 1998, 99, Jordan Peterson? We have the book right here. Okay. We're, we're, I, we will tell you exactly the year this was. Come. 99. 1999, Jordan Peterson. So I guess we should always open the episode with that, but. What? Uh, that this is 1999 Jordan Peterson and it doesn't apply to the I guess. Christian Jordan Peterson. I guess, but people can see the book. But my point is, is I feel like if you say, Hey, this is the hero of a story, uh-huh. look to them. But the hero in that story says, look to me as your guide and strive to live your life. Like me. I don't think it undermines. I think it's just doubling up. I guess it doubles up, but I feel like it undermines any point he made that wouldn't relate to Christianity as the ultimate like goal maybe or answer does that make do you get what i'm getting at? i think so because like he brings up other mythologies and he's like yeah these other mythologies are good and they have other things but what i will say is you can learn stuff from i'm not outside you, of the bible i'm not saying you can't i'm just saying that at the end of the day the bible uh-huh. as i like to call it mm-hmm. is the ultimate like that is the answer that's yeah. the book that's the rule book that's <laughs> the everything I just, yeah, I just thought it was funny that Jordan Peterson's like doubling up. Jesus is the hero. And then the hero in the story that he says that we should look to says, walk like me, which is like, I feel like such a meta thing in the narrative of this book. Yeah. I'm going to, there's a section on here where he compares, he kind of says Jesus is like the second Moses because he does the, he, he does if you accept the the Moses thing mm-hmm. that I talked about earlier mm-hmm. about how he took the procedural and made it the explicit mm-hmm. list, Jesus like does that again, mm-hmm. but from the list to the spirit, mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth going over. Yeah. Um, I think we'll okay. just kind of disagree, but okay. So I'll let you know they talked about it. Um, and I will let you know I disagree. Yeah. They're so cool. now we're going to talk about discerning good and evil. This is so, on my notes. It is. That's why I let you know. Question regarding innate understanding. Of good and... Is this the question? We'll get there. <laughs> so he says that at first, and this is something I disagree with. Um, at first, it is easier to identify what is evil and what should be controlled. 
So that's kind of what the Ten Commandments did. Okay. Was they said, here's the things you shouldn't do. And then he says, you need a certain clarity of spirit to determine what good is. I don't think it's easier. I have to disagree, right? Because that goes against with exactly what I've said thus far. The innate sense of good and wrong. Right. Right and wrong. Yeah, I don't think that evil is necessarily easier to identify. I think no. that that's why so many people no, can I w- understand like beauty. No, dude, wait, hold on. Okay. I would, I agree with you, disagree with him. Hold on to what? The table. I don't care. Thank you. The seat of your pants. So I, I don't think evil at all is easier to. Is it the seed? Seat. Okay. Your butt is what that means. That's the a seat dumb. of your pants, your butt. I don't like that analogy. What is that? It's not an analogy. No, it's. Oh, you made me not know what it's called. Metaphor. Yeah. Aphorism. So simile. You're done. So no, I think it is easier to discern good from evil. Like I think it's much easier to see what is good than it is to see what is evil. And here's my point. Tell me about it. Yeah. If we look at the culture of secularism, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of evil things in there right the idea of going out and having frivolous sex all the time that's that's a not healthy thing that is to push that idea onto youth is an evil thing to do okay i'd agree with the pushing on part okay that's not easy to see Mm. because the the pleasures of sex outweigh what just culture says hey you you shouldn't do that yeah but it it makes me feel good. So I like how, what's the bad part? Yeah. There's repercussions. Sure. But what doesn't have repercussions? I, what's the bad part? What about when you're making a set of rules? Do you think it's easier to make rules regarding what is good and like what to do? The Yeah. Yes. Versus versus just making rules about what not to do. Yes. You think it's easier? Yes. Tell me about it. Yeah, I will. Okay. Remember Ben Shapiro's example about the pencil factory? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use the pencil factory. Okay. Okay. What is easier? If you if you want to get a worker to take a pencil and sharpen it. Okay. What's easier? To say, take the pencil, put it in the sharpener, count to five seconds, and place it in the box. That is a to-do. Mm-hmm. Or would it be easier to say, don't put the back side of the pencil in the sharpener? don't drop the pencil sure don't i mean you could go down the whole list until eventually so i guess it would be like though if we're talking about morality Mm. is it easier to say don't covet your neighbor or to think about saying like love your neighbor love your neighbor as if they were just what's the thing to do and then why i think the why is very important Mm -hmm. but what to do what what should you do? That's the easiest. Mm. I don't care what not to do. I, yeah. I, I I mean like okay so and I'm gonna struggle because coming up with a set of rules for morals is a little trickier. Okay, so don't stab someone. Mm-hmm. Don't kick someone. Yeah. Don't hit someone. Mm-hmm. Or you could just say, be kind to a person. 
But couldn't you just easily say don't hurt anyone? Sure. I don't know. Whatever. I do. I. But then, I, okay, so if you don't hurt my point, if you don't hurt anyone, what do you do? Then what? Okay, so I'm not going to hurt. Then I'll ignore them. Yeah. But that's, you also shouldn't ignore them. Okay, so then say don't interact with them negatively. I think we're going down the road of which one's better. Sure. I don't know. I don't know which one's easier to arrive to. I do think, though, that at the very least, it's not easier to identify evil. No. At the very least. At the very least. Um, but his argument is that that's the case, and that's why the Old Testament has the letter of the law, and the New Testament has the spirit of the law, a.k.a. Jesus. And for people that don't know, <clears throat> I've been using the phrase spirit of the law pretty frequently. It actually drives me up a wall. But Jordan Peterson says it word for word. So <laughs> I'm just saying what he said. Uh, here's my question. But I, you probably already answered it. So whatever. Uh, can you know what good and evil are without being taught? <laughs> uh, I was excited for this question. I'll have I, you know. Can I phone a friend? No, you don't get a friend. Johnny, um, can you know what good and evil is without being taught? Yeah. If I think there's an extent in which you could argue to just to play devil's advocate against what I've been saying, I think there's an extent in which you could argue that no, you couldn't know what good and evil is if you weren't taught, because if you were thrown in the middle of a war or thrown in the middle of the woods and had to fend for yourselves and stuff. Mm -hmm. What level of good and evil is there? Right? Like mm -hmm. this idea of growing up orphan and in the strange environment and stuff. And, and yeah, you could arrive to that conclusion, but I would argue in a vacuum like that, in what case are you explicitly Putting into your environment something that could be good or evil. I think I would just disagree, though. Okay. Even with your devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. I like what C.S. Lewis says about it. And um, he talks about it in mere Christianity and kind of an abolition of man. Mm -hmm. um, I'll start with the abolition of man. He pretty much talks about there's a there is an objective good and bad. Mm -hmm. And people try to deny it. Mm -hmm. and like he gives an example about this uh literature book that's teaching kids how to write okay and it's saying that like when this one guy says that a uh, waterfall is sublime and another guy says like it's pretty um that really the guy's not saying that the waterfall is sublime he's saying that his own feelings towards the waterfall are sublime okay and lewis is pretty much like no he is saying that the waterfall is sublime and he is more right for saying that it is good. Um, mm -hmm. The problem with what they're doing is like, it's saying that when we talk about something, it's really just our feelings about that thing. Yep. Feelings, feelings, that feelings. We're, that we're reflecting, I guess, mm -hmm. onto the thing um, or projecting onto the thing. Mm -hmm. But he thinks that, I mean, that's kind of the point of a classical education is there are beautiful things. Yeah. There are good things and there are bad things. And yeah. it's not up to us and our feelings to decide what those are. Correct. Um, so that's kind of abolition of man. And then in mere Christianity, he talks about how um, we are all given a conscience, mm -hmm. conscience. And 
I think that's the God-given thing that can, no matter if you're in a war or a forest or whatever, that's what can tell you what's good or bad, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It doesn't matter where you are. There's something in us that, and you can suppress it. Mm-hmm. You can suppress the thing saying, I don't know if you should do this, or like, I kind of feel like this isn't a great thing to do. You can totally push that down until you don't hear it anymore. Well, and that's the idea behind like extreme liberalism, extreme secular culture is to all these people that are like, go have frivolous sex. Mm -hmm. That guilt and shame you feel is real. And they say, don't ignore that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you treated somebody poorly. Well, they deserved it because they had opposing views. Or flip it to be empowering. Yeah. Or flip it to be empowering, which is complete and under denial mm-hmm. not only of the shame and guilt but of the reality of the actions that and, were committed and what our nature is mm-hmm. which isn't to do that yeah so yeah yeah i like that okay. um i'm glad he talks about piaget a little bit the difference between morality of constraint which is that saying what you shouldn't do um oh, okay and morality of cooperation mm-hmm. um he also defines it piaget did kind of a lot with kids psychology and their development. Mm. He says that a morality of constraint is earlier in development for children because you're saying not to do something mm-hmm. and they don't do it because they're scared of the consequences. Yeah. That's a morality of constraint. Mm-hmm. As and he says, a morality of cooperation is for older kids and it's following the rules based on mutual consent. They're cooperating with the rules because they can as you get older, you understand more the importance of the rules yeah. instead of just being scared of the consequences of not doing it. So would that imply people that don't understand rules are stuck in a regressed state of mind? I don't know. I don't know enough about it enough about it to say that that's true. I wouldn't say that's true. But to relate it to like the Bible, mm-hmm. kind of what he's saying is if as a civilization they were earlier in development, mm. then it was... <clears throat> The Ten Commandments were the rules of constraint. Yeah. Or the morality of constraint. And then Jesus is the one of cooperation. Gotcha. So um, we'll move on to make sure we've started this section. So I want to finish it. There's Um, another section? Well, we've started. Like we're in the section that we've already started. I want to finish it. Finish the section. Before we move on to another episode. Um, So... Boo. I know. Boo. Okay, so he says that, or he asks, what principle is rule of spirit rather than law predicated upon? Does that question make sense? What's predicated? Based on. So say it again, but with the word based on. Okay, it's based. Um, What principle, or like by what principle is rule of spirit rather than law based upon like what is what is it that is saying that we should follow the spirit instead of the law does that make sense uh am i being clear i I guess i don't understand what with the separation of the spirit and the law so like like roman law versus like christian law. so it would be like spiritual sense the spirit of the law is understanding what the point of the laws are oh the spirit of the law Versus the law to like at the letter. Yeah. So like oh. following the rules exactly versus understanding what the point of the rules is. Okay. So if you need to like break the rules. Kind of like the speed limit. Like if it's 75, but everyone's doing 80, you need to like keep up with everyone else. Maybe. 
Well, that's the idea. Because I, at least in my driver's education, they said if you were going slower than everyone else and it was like mm. causing a hazard. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. The speed limit, I guess it just kind of sounds like the way you said it to me made it sound like you're just making an excuse to go faster. But well, yes. if everyone else is going but faster. But yes, it's, that's the, th- yeah. It's, it's to keep the flow of traffic even. To, yes. Yeah. So. Okay. It's understanding that. Um, he says the principle that following the spirit of the law mm-hmm. versus the letter of the law is predicated on is respect for the innately heroic nature of man, hmm. which is assuming that we can improve and adapt and not have to be constrained by the letter of the law. Assuming that we can do better than just what the law says and that we can kind of transcend it, I guess, is the way to think about it. I feel like there's a degree of this that's in opposition of, like, Christian ideology. Well, there's certainly rules to follow, Mm -hmm. but he's talking about, like, I think government rules and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's what he's discussing. Like, the the point of following the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law Mm -hmm. is, according to him... That's possible because we as humans have the ability to be heroic. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So we have the ability to act outside of the laws if we need to. Yeah. Because we can understand what would actually be more Mm -hmm. beneficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He he next talks about the significance of like the, he calls it the Christian passion, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like the Christian goal. Or okay. the the imitating Jesus. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, the significance of that is that wanting to be like Jesus provides us a model for how to... And I'm just paraphrasing here because mm-hmm. um, it was pretty a long section. Yeah. Wanting to be like Jesus provides us a model for how to live that will make us like the, quote, embodiment of courageous, truthful, individually unique experience or existence. Okay. So, yeah, that's what he thinks the importance of the Christian message is. Totally ignores the following God part. But I do think it is a good thing to say that us wanting to be like Jesus moves us towards being the embodiment of courageousness and truthfulness and individual unique existence. Yeah. Which I thought was a kind of a good thing to end on yeah so i think it's a it feels almost out of character given the contents of the book so far well what do you mean because i i and maybe maybe this is maybe we're just seeing the conclusion that he has finally come to mm-hmm. and it feels out of character because thus far we've almost been in opposition with him but the conclusion he comes to makes sense because it's similar enough to the conclusion we live in. I think the thing is is that he's trying to make an abstract um, explanation of this stuff Mm -hmm. and he can get it wrong because he's coming from the wrong angle Mm -hmm. but he is a clinical psychologist and he's really good at being able to take a narrative and create a, a moral out of it Sure. And so I think he's understanding part of that. Like, that's why I said he's missing the God part. Yeah. But he's still kind of getting what part of the point of what Jesus did for us is as something to imitate. I think at the end of it, it's really, it's really captivating 
how we can see 1999 Jordan Peterson and kind of that point of his life and then where he is now, mm-hmm. which is like, you can see how this is really has affected mm-hmm. the current Christian Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. You can, I mean, you so. can see it in 12 Rules for Life and Beyond Order. And oh, absolutely. Like he brings up the same examples and mm-hmm. stuff. I feel like the level of intelligence that Jordan Peterson holds is in- incredible. Yeah. I think he is a, um, and the correct words are escaping me, but very important in our lifetime. You know, very important figure in our lifetime and in mm-hmm. this kind of error that we live in. Um, and I think he's going to live on beyond his own life. But yeah. Yeah. I think when you're that smart and you truly seek the truth, the truth makes itself known. Mm-hmm. Capital T. Mm-hmm. If you're heroic and willing to face. Go into that. the unknown. Yeah. Well, and accepting the stuff that you find there. Yes. Yeah. Is that, did you, get everything mm-hmm. oh how cute um yeah uh we uh record these episodes kind of in like a bunch sometimes sometimes not and last week we hit 100 subscribers we did thank you that everybody was awesome um, we really, really appreciate everyone's support. We really appreciate you subscribing and watching the videos and just, uh, leaving comments here and there. Yeah. Leaving comments, supporting us. Um, it's been really fun. Um, I'm glad there's a hundred people that think we're that interesting. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't expect anything. Yeah. I, I really know. thought we were going to put videos up here and be like, yeah. Hey mom and dad. Yeah, pretty much. Hey so. church friends. But, uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. It's fun. We're learning with you. Yes, that's the so, big thing. We're learning hopefully. with you. Lessons learned. We're bringing lessons that we learned to you. So, like, and even then we're learning as we go yeah. in the moment. Yeah. So, it's been really fun. We really appreciate your support. Thank you. There's no question at the end of this episode. No. Because there's no answer from the last one. So. Big ol' thanks. Big ol' thanks. Big ol' bobcat. Big ol' thank you, everyone. Michigan. That's that wasn't even Michigan. I don't know. It's not a Grand Junction thing. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for uh, thanks for getting us to 100 subscribers, Evan. You can close it because that's what you've been doing. I don't like it. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, thanks for watching, everyone. I hope you learned something. Um, if you have any questions for us. Or, you know, have any comments for us, we'll totally respond. Uh, if you leave them in the comment section below, or if you're on Spotify, if you go on YouTube and leave a a uh, comment. But you can do that? Yeah. What? Well, no, on YouTube. Oh, I thought you said on Spotify. No, if you're on Spotify, go to YouTube. Yeah, if you're on Spotify, go to YouTube. And leave a comment. Yes. Um, but yeah, thanks for sticking around if you're here this long. Uh, thanks for 100 subs. We will keep going. Hopefully, we might have some new... 101 of, subs. Yeah. Some new type of content hopefully coming out. Oh, yeah. Um, we want to do some different stuff. So, yeah. Branch out a little. Thanks for watching. This has been Lessons Learned. Bye. Bye. <laughs>